the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. My name's Ellie Greeny. And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars, and their learnings from their journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences, and have a good laugh along the way. everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. I'm very happy today to have the amazing Martin Sabagon who is the VP of product at Fornova. So Fornova help hotels turn data into profit by using real intelligence, empowering their clients to align the entire hotel organization from revenue and distribution to sales, e-commerce and operations to enable smart decisions. With offices in London, Amsterdam, New York, and where Martin is based today in Yokneen, Israel. Hello, Martin. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Sandra. How are you doing? Hi, very good. How are you? Good, good. I'm fine. Good, fantastic. It's great to have you on. Um, you're um, this. In fact, this is the first um, recording that we've done um, with um, a leader based in um, Israel. So it's great to uh, to have you on board. And actually, it must be a small world because yesterday I spoke. I had a pre kind of podcast conversation um, with um, a CTO called Laran from Rookout. Um, okay. And um, and I mentioned that we were doing this recording with you today, and he said that you guys had already been speaking about some business venture um, between your businesses. So I was like, "Wow, is it a small world or just a big coincidence?" It's a small country. <laughs> it's really a small country. Um, yeah, we we kind of uh, laugh about it, but everywhere we go, we find Israelis, and we all know each other, and. Once you know they're from Israel, oh, we are instantly brothers, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Lovely. Fantastic. Um, great. So um, I'd love to just start with, um, I mean, I've had a look at your LinkedIn profile and I know you've had a couple of conversations with my colleague or um, you've obviously got a very, very impressive background. Um, looks like you've been involved in some great, interesting stuff. And you were only just saying earlier that, um, you know that you you are involved in so many um, things so it'd be great to tell the um, listeners today how you've got to where you are your journey you know how you got into tech so I think you kind of you started more in the service management side became a technical writer and then you've had a, obviously very long career history in on the product and marketing side within tech but it'd be great to um explain to the listeners in a little bit more detail around your journey and how you got to where you are today cool yeah so um i think it all started with my high school and post high school studies um i studied uh, electronics and specialty in communications telecommunications mm -hmm. and then um when i joined the army i joined the intelligence corps to a technical unit uh where we dealt with any intelligence that can be brought by vision so just imagine any, any intelligence brought either on land, in air, and space, uh, if you like, that we can gather using vision. And um, I started there as a technician of payloads of uh, UAVs, like unmanned 
uh, air vehicles, right, mm -hmm. or uh, planes. And um, and then I I went to um, to an officer school and I became an officer and I managed this uh, laboratory, if you like, where we serviced all this equipment. So the, this gave me a very broaden uh, broaden scope of uh, electronics and computers and electro optics and mechanics and very multidisciplinary products uh, that allowed me to get a, a very, very a good view on, on a lot of things. I wasn't kind of specializing in any particular thing, but started to look at things very, very widely. Then I became uh, a product manager without calling it a product manager. It was called a project manager back then, but uh, to define a new product, if you like, or a new system for, for the army, uh, which is um, a, a day and night vision remotely controlled. So it, it, okay. today, it sounds, today it sounds very funny, but back then the, the person behind the big camera and the telescope, right, looking at the monitor for looking for, you know, for the enemy coming or something like, or, or surveillancing an area, he would actually need to be next to the lens which makes him very exposed, right? So the idea was to put the camera out there, uh, but the person somewhere in a bunker and mm -hmm. remotely, and that would be very safe. And eventually they even put uh, female soldiers doing these jobs today, not a, mm -hmm. uh, like a big fighter or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the thing, so I, I was designing this product, um, wrote the spec, went to developing it with, uh, with it actually a, a civilian um, a company, uh, put it on the, in the field, and then I left to another, uh, to another uh, position in the army, and then I left. How long were you uh, in the army in total for? Because it's you, uh, national service in Israel, was it two years or three? Uh, it, back in my days, it was three years for men. Uh, today, I think it's around two and a half. Uh, yeah. But I I did five years and three months, so okay. um, yeah. So I I, I was uh, there, and then I uh, I moved to to a company called Nova, not for Nova, which I'm today, <laughs> but it's Nova, uh, very close. And uh, I move uh, they moved me at the relocation to Ireland, where I was a site manager for Intel, which is mm -hmm. their, one of their customers, and I was in charge of a product uh, that again was multidisciplinary. It had pneumatics and hydraulics and electronics and communications and software, you name it. And I was the sole person on site dealing with these products, uh, 54 of these machines in production, which each of them worth like $250,000 at the time. So I was a sole, in, uh, sole person in charge. And again, I was looking at it not only from the technical point of view, but also from the business point of view. Okay, what can, how can I renew my contract? How can I do upsells to the customer? Understanding the needs of the customer. Um, and uh, I actually managed to change a, some of the things they were doing with the, with, in terms of the product. For example, they were doing preventive maintenances. So mm -hmm. Intel being the way they are, very kind of uh, strict in their policies, mm -hmm. 
they were doing every six months a preventive maintenance on a machine. And when that machine goes down for, for that service, the whole line stops from production. Right. So I said, I said this, is, this must be a huge loss of money. Yeah. Let's, make, let's look at data and see if we can change things. And what I found out is that if you actually leave the product to work until it breaks down, and then just replace the big units, so just keep another product in spares, right, in the, in, in the warehouse, just waiting for something to break, and then just replace it within two hours, they will actually save much more money by making production going uh, rather than, than um, doing a preventive maintenance. And uh, I managed to change the way they work and, uh, and gain them a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, money being that. And this, I think, started in my mind looking at, at the customer, okay? Not looking at what you do, but what they need and how you can help with the service or the product you're providing. Um, that actually brought me very, very little work because uh, those machines didn't break. So, <laughs> so, so I was, I was kind of getting bored and uh, I got into a hobby, uh, which was audio and home theater. Mm -hmm. And I started, I joined the forum uh, in Israel and started to, to get along and, and I was getting my knowledge deeper and deeper into this hobby. Eventually, I started with another guy uh, from Israel. I started my own website, which today, uh, almost 16 years later, is the largest online magazine for consumer electronics. And again, that, and, and just by getting this community of enthusiasts and mm -hmm. potential customers who are, okay, what, what TV should I buy? What, what speakers should I buy? you kind of get into the customer's head, okay? Mm -hmm. you, you see the collective knowledge or the collective needs of this market, mm -hmm. uh, which led me later on to, to identify a gap in the market, a need, uh, late 2007, okay? Um, back then there was... And you had a lot of remote controls on your uh, coffee table. If you remember, you had your DVD and you had your, yeah. DVD, your VCR and you had your TV and you had your set-top box from your cable TV, etc. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of media coming into your home, but it was a nightmare to manage. And, and especially when you have another TV in another room and an older DVD, right? Because you, you buy a new one, you get the old one into another room. So you, ha you, you end up uh, having like 10 or 15 different user experiences just to manage your, um, your media at home. And that led me to an idea uh, with another co-founder to found a, a venture of creating a, a unified multimedia system for homes. Um, we, we, we developed the, the MVP, the, 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 mock, the first uh, version of the product. And we raised money. Uh, we raised uh, $1.2 million and we started a company. We got to a beta stage, but eventually uh, we didn't manage to get the second round that was supposed to take us abroad. So we eventually closed, um, closed that 
And until then, I, I knew a bit of everything, right? I, I, I wasn't kind of specialized in any specific topic. I knew, as I said, I knew a bit about software, a bit about video, a bit about electro-optics, about a bit, a bit about everything. Um, and I was getting these critics from, criticism from my family and friends saying, mm -hmm. Martin, listen, you're not a kid anymore. You need to focus. You need to choose one thing <laughs> and to do that. And I said, guys, this is, this is not a bug. This is a feature. Okay, I, this is a this is something I have, and I need to uh, and I need to uh, uh, make that my my thing, but I didn't know what. And uh, I thought that this would be a virtue of a business developer manager. Okay, someone who do business. Why? Because he knows a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Can understand that one plus one makes three right is a person people uh but he understands technology understands business that's me and that's how i got to new to this new company which i heard the founder on uh, on one of the meetups uh and he was telling about this great idea that was very innovative at the time uh it was an idea of getting uh, the license of movies and TV series from Hollywood, top top movies, creating the platform and selling it as a service to operators. So it, it's like it was like a Netflix, right? Before mm -hmm. Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, or before Netflix went uh, worldwide, I should say. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as he came down from the stage, I went to him and I said, "I want to work with you. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's what I want to do." And he said, uh, "I actually know who you are. I heard about you." Um, but I, I, I don't have a big project now. Something it's it's kind of cooking, and if it comes up, and I'll I'll take you. And that's how I started in a company called Vonetize as number four in the company. Mm -hmm. And my title on the B on the business card was business development. But I was doing technical stuff. I was doing QA. I was doing support when people the movie would buffer or wouldn't play i would i would pick up the phone and say yeah how can i help you and you know i was doing everything in the company including uh, ordering the refrigerator for the kitchen uh, <laughs> but that's fine and then when the company grew um they needed someone to do the product properly work from, on one hand to work with uh, the r d the development team and on the other hand to work with business and support and customer facing uh, organization. And they came to me and I remember the, the, the top management and they said, Martin, sit down, don't worry, you're still gonna meet people because we know you like to meet people, and, <laughs> but we need you to do product. And I said, what do you mean, what is product? And they said, listen, you're the only guy in the company who knows both technical side, both the business side, you understand the customers, you understand the market. That's what the product does. And I says, okay, if you say so, I don't, I don't know what, I, don't, I have no idea what product means. But it turns out I was doing that all my career. I was doing that in the army. I was definitely doing it through my entrepreneurship uh, with mm -hmm. my own company that I started. And, and I was kind of doing it in Volatize, but I didn't, it didn't have a title. 
So I went and studied that uh, at the beginning my own, on my own, and then uh, from from websites and from books, and then uh, I went to a proper training, if you like, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, and and then and then yeah, that's that that's me. I, I said that that's what I should do. This exactly <laughs> takes all my all the things I love and do. Uh, and I need all my knowledge and all my experience into a single definition, which is a product manager. So that's how I started with the product mm-hmm. manager. And so how did you get to where you are now then? What, what, how did the opportunity with Fornova come about? Because obviously you're so, VP of product at Fornova, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, so um, after Vonetize, we actually went IPO with Vonetize. Uh, but then uh, I, after about six years in Vonetize, I decided I need to look for, for something else. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved to a company called Time to Know, which later on they changed their name to Enably. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a, a, a platform for conveying uh, um, um, training and learning okay. in, in organizations. And, and they had a sister company, which is called Etadat in Israel. They are in all schools or half of the schools in Israel. And they're doing basically edutech. Okay? So edutech for education. Yeah. And, I, and I really like that because it, uh, for me, it had a higher purpose kind of thing, you know, to, to, to influence education, the next generations, etc. But then they, uh, they, they weren't really focused uh, enough, in my opinion. And I was uh, kind of headhunted uh, by Fornova uh, to, to, to come and work, uh, and work for them. And, I, and I'm working in Fornova for last nine months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm and I really, really enjoying it. Uh, it the hospitality... Um, business or the hospitality uh, field is, is very, very interesting. Uh, and it's going through one of the toughest periods mm, yeah. ever. Uh, but hopefully we'll come, we'll come even stronger than, uh, than before. Yeah. So how, how is um, business for you at the moment then? What challenges are you facing currently? Yeah. So the, the biggest challenge, I guess, is that our customers are shut down. Um, so the way we at the management see, and I'm very, very proud that, but this is, this is the, you know, the way we look at it is because it was very easy for us to say, oh, if customers are having troubles, uh, it will affect us. Let's shut down. Let's fire people. Let's get, let, let, let people go, uh, and, and, you know, tighten the belt if you like. Uh, uh, but, but what we did is actually. Uh, we decided to go even stronger to our customers and say, listen, we know you're in trouble. We're going to help you pass this time, either using our products and our data. And if you need to hold your payments or something like that, we're here for you. You know, don't worry about that. We look at your, we look ourselves as your partners, rather mm-hmm. just, just a supplier of software. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that was going to be one of my next questions, actually, because obviously there's a lot of businesses um, at the moment being being affected by the current situation. Um, and, you know, and the, I guess the important thing is, is that we are all doing, uh, we've been affected as well. I mean, I don't know how much you know about what we do we're, we're in the tech 
tech industry, but from a recruitment point of view, and obviously recruitment and marketing and things like that are the first things that generally tend to stop and go. So we've had a lot of our clients pause or hold, stop recruitment. Um, but um, it's it, the important thing now is what we're all doing, what we do now to ensure that we are still there, that we're there when things change for the better and we're on that bounce and I'm on our way back up. Um, so what, what, are, what, are there any other things that you guys are doing as a business that might be interesting for the listeners to hear about or that, you know, other businesses might be able to do any ideas that, that you, um, that you've, yeah. Been, you know, yeah. <laughs> sure. So first, first of all, from a product point of view, we looked at our product and at the situation and tried to analyze mm-hmm what the current situation, what are the new needs or the adjusted needs of our customers. So obviously, if they were used to getting 90, 95% of occupancy with high ADRs, and they were fighting on, you know, what channel that brings me uh, what we call heads in bed, right? Brings bookings into my hotel, uh, today is just just bring me those those heads. I don't care at what price and and how much commission you you want. I, I just need those uh, those guests to fill my bed uh, rather than before trying to optimize the revenue, optimize the profit. So understanding the state of mind these hoteliers are in um, uh, uh, helps us uh, to adjust and uh, to adjust the products to what they need now, even if it's something that in the long term, yeah, it's, we, we're going to get back to normal or to a new normal, but, it, new but normal. some normality, <laughs> to some normality, uh, and maybe these features we are developing now won't be for the long run, but this is something the customers need now. So this is one thing that we, are, we have adjusted in some of our products. Of course, we adjusted the roadmap accordingly. Uh, and change priorities in development. And the second thing is we looked at, okay, we have this technology uh, that if you want, I can, I can elaborate, but we have this technology that allows us to scan and, and get data in massive scales from hundreds of thousands of websites and then analyze them to get uh, uh, business insights what other businesses or what other verticals that are not hospitality might benefit from what from that technology which might be very close and we are actually looking at other verticals just for example car rental okay so this is this is very it's a very similar market to what uh, to, to the hospitality in the way they perform okay instead of rooms they have car types Okay, instead of length of stay, they have length of rental. Instead of uh, if you want with breakfast or without breakfast, they have with a full tank of gas or without a full tank of gas, right? So you can imagine it's very, very similar in the way they perform and they price into the future uh, their cars like hotels uh, price their rooms. Um, so, so this is something we are looking at and, and things mm-hmm. uh, uh, similar. Um, by the way, by understanding that this rental car market uh, is one of the things that might pick up before flights. We call it something mm-hmm. that is called travel distance uh, um, tourism. 
Okay, mm -hmm. so in Israel, we're too small, but look at the bigger uh, countries, you might say, I'm not going to fly there from, let's say, Veg from LA to Vegas, but if it's open and not in a, in a quarantine or something, I might take a car and drive there. Yeah, that's interesting, okay. actually. I hadn't thought about it like that, but um, yeah, that's... So yeah, so so if you if you're looking at at, uh, at travel industry, uh, some of the predictions we did, uh, mm -hmm. we published them on LinkedIn as well. Some of the prediction is that first, obviously, it's going to be domestic uh, travelers. Okay, so if the quarantine is over, the skies will still remain closed, mm -hmm. so people will get out, but they will get out within the country. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is the first thing. The second thing, uh, second prediction is that it would be by car because people will be still be afraid to travel definitely by air uh, and even by train or buses. Mm -hmm. They would rather take a car, okay? Um, and the, even, if, even if they they are allowed to fly, sometimes when they're back, they need to go back into quarantine. So they say, why would I travel to a business meeting and then back to uh, 14 days quarantine? So they would take a car. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so these are, these are things we're, we're predicting into what will happen in the that's, future. Yeah, I mean, that's really, really interesting. Um, and um, you know, it's great that obviously you, you've identified a potential gap in the market and you're looking to the future and you're looking at how your product can be used in other, um, to help other industries. Um, and I guess that's a great message for, any of the listeners um, and we do work with a number of um, tech startups and smaller businesses and I think that would be great for some of those a great bit of kind of bit of a bit of advice for um, those guys moving forwards and um, so thank you for that that's really interesting um, how I guess my next question um, I was going to ask you about um, your leadership style um, with this being a, a, a podcast to talk about leadership and styles and journeys yeah. and career progression and um, obviously you've got offices as a company you have offices across the world um, so I guess given the current situation um, a lot of businesses have had to adapt to how they um, their leadership style to remote working but um, I assume that you've already been practicing that for some time and doing it very well um, mm -hmm. So it'd be really interesting to tell everyone more about how, you know, how you would describe your leadership style and also how you think your teams would describe you. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll just start with a bit of background of how a product manager, okay, manager in the, in the title, uh, manage the things. And most of product managers, and I'm talking about my, my teammates and, and when I was a product manager, no man not managing direct people, mm -hmm. um, you are actually managing the day-to-day -day tasks of a lot of people in your organization. Mm -hmm. Okay, you defined what are the next tasks, what are the priorities. You defined how the demo uh, of your product should be by your sales guys. How uh, what is the message in the marketing? So you're a my view of a product is everything that the customer comes, comes with, uh, has an interaction with. 
So anything from the website, from the LinkedIn page, it doesn't mean that I'm managing it directly, but you have to have a, 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 a holistic view of mm -hmm. what is the product. I'll give you an example, okay? When you buy a Mercedes, you expect that the waiting room in the garage would be at a certain standard. When you bought the car, you didn't buy that experience, but you expect it to be. If that, mm -hmm. if, if that uh, waiting room would look very badly with the poor coffee or tea, you would say, this is, it's, not, it's not at the same level of the car mm -hmm. I bought, right? So this is what I call augmented product. It's not the product per se that you pay for, but it's part of it, same as delivery and shipping and, and aftermarket, after purchase, etc. So look at it that way. You're managing a lot of functions in the company, but you're not a direct manager. So your management, your leadership must mm -hmm. come from totally different uh, thing, which is not your rank or your hierarchy in the organization. It must come from professionalism. So you know what you're talking about. They need to understand. You are the, you are the expert. You are the, the subject matter expert. They know that when they need to know something about the market, about the product, about the competition, about the customers, they come to you. Okay? So this is the first thing. The second thing, I guess, is, is some kind of charisma. Okay, you need to have that, you know, that thing that when you speak, you are heard, you are understood, you are, uh, and, uh, and the, the, the next thing would be, I guess, empathy. And uh, empathy, both for other people, uh, definitely if you're in your company, but also for, for customers, understanding, you know, putting yourself in their shoes, in their eyes, what they need. Um, these are the three things that I think any product manager must have, and and from there I I'm taking my kind of leadership uh, or management style as well. I never, even when I was an officer in the army, I never told people, you know, do that because I said so. Mm -hmm. okay? This never came out of my my mouth. You know, it it always I always tried to make them do the things I need them to do by believing this is the right thing to do. This is the, you know, I always started with why, like Simon Sinek says, right? I always say, start with why and they will follow. They, they, okay, now they understand. They, it's not, they're not robots. They understand why they need to do what you need them to do because they understand the higher cause, the higher, the, you know, the bigger cause. Um, so this is what I try, uh, and and I'm always looking them, look at me as one of them, one of the team. I'm not their manager. I'm just this is on paper, uh, but I'm I'm one of them, and I always tell them, listen, it's your if it's a success, it's your success. If it's a failure, it's mine, uh, and I'm here to to clear the path so you can do your work better, and if I can help by mentoring by 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 giving you some, some advice along the way, great. Oh, brilliant, fantastic. And I'm sure that officer training probably gave you some fantastic grounding for that as well then years ago. Um, but it's, yeah, no, there's some, some brilliant examples there of your leadership skills. Obviously as an entrepreneur, 
you've had many successes, but I'm sure that's come at a cost as well. So it'll be interesting if you can tell us about one story in particular that that's really impacted you and and that you've learned a lot from in the past. I think it's really good if we can hear some kind of a real war story that that helped shape you as the leader you are today. Yeah, um, there is one that I think I, I'm I'm giving to a lot of entrepreneurs when I'm I'm doing some mentorship as well for in accelerators and and other men, and other product managers. And one of the things I'm telling to entrepreneurs is that and and I think they a lot of them take it for granted, and I took it for granted is who's your partner, who's your co-founder, okay. Um, when I started my my big venture, which I raised money, etc., I started with with a guy. He was a coder, and I was the product manager, right? I was the, the the guy who defined what needs to be done, and he was executing it. Um, and we were getting along along great. Uh, you know, we worked uh, evenings after the kids went to sleep. I went over to his place, and we were we we will be working till very late. Uh, we'll. We went to uh, weekends. Everything was fine. But when we started the company, uh, my idea of having a partner was what I had in my magazine, which my partner there, we never had anything written, anything signed. We have no contract for 16 years. And, you know, my wife calls him your second wife, okay? Because we are on... (laughs) So many, we think alike, we, we have this telepathy, we totally trust each other, we don't need even to consult taking decisions, you know, it's, it's amazing, really. And I thought that this is how partnerships are. <laughs> and when I started my other venture with another partner, suddenly uh, we realized we are not that good fit. When we start working in the same office and being also founders or being owners of the of the company but also being the employees of the company these are two totally different things because as the owner you care about everything but as an employee you have your own niche if he's a vp r&d and i'm a vp product i define you execute but as the owner he also cares what i'm doing so that contradiction uh caused a, a big uh, big fight mm. which eventually the 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 um the investor which became the ceo decided mm. to break that the break the, this triangle or like the, the investor me and him and the other founder and said listen we are not continuing this way one should go mm. and uh, and that gave me a lesson for life, you need to choose your partners very well, and everything in, needs to be defined very, very precisely mm-hmm. uh, in advance when you go into the, these kind of ventures, because this is a person you're going to be with more than your family, mm-hmm. and you need to go. Mm-hmm. You need to be in very rough times, under a lot of pressure, and also in, at good times. So, a partner or a co-founder should be someone you'll be happy to go uh, for a pint with, uh, mm-hmm. for, for a trip uh, abroad with the families, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This, this is someone you should really uh, be on the same level, not just uh, technically or business-wise. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah. really uh, someone you can trust. And that 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 was uh, lacking here. Yeah, well, we certainly agree with that, don't we, Sandra? There's three directors at Transition Partners, and we've worked together for as the three of us worked together for like six years now, haven't we? And we all trust each other. Yeah. I think, yeah. So it's nice to be able to have that relationship. But I think probably in hindsight, then you knew it wasn't going to work. And do you think in hindsight that you'd wish you'd made that call personally earlier than the investor having to say, "We're going to have to call it quick, guys. It's not working." I didn't see that. I really, I really wasn't anticipating that because I said when I, when we were working in garage mode at home, it worked. Yeah. But suddenly I was writing, I don't know, like a, a brochure for a show we were presenting, and he would take that 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 draft and said, "On my dead body, this cannot go." And I said, "I okay, maybe you can write it better." Okay, yeah. maybe now it's at 85% and you'll bring it to 95. That's great. But that that 10%, it's not worth you doing it because we have nobody else to do the work you only you can do. Yeah. So yeah. leave that to me and do your job and we'll be fine. <laughs> so every everything became like a, a board decision. Everything yeah. went to, to to a vote, like the color of the button on the UI. Like, why you know this this doesn't make us progress we're holding yeah. this us back you know yeah but you live and you learn and <laughs> that's that one year Every, i'm sure everything you learn. is, everything is a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um it's an interesting time i think with everything that's going on in the world and it breeds a certain amount of opportunity i think in the next coming year for tech entrepreneurs and people that have thought now's the time um, to maybe do their own thing and 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 take that risk. If you could give a budding entrepreneur one little bit of advice that you think's really set you up, what would that be? I would say um, dare and do it. And the second would be talk about it. I, I one of the ideas I had. Once I came back from uh, from uh, from my relocation, um, I started a venture about extended warranty. Um, this is something very normal abroad, but wasn't there back then in Israel, uh, where you buy, let's say, a TV screen, and at the counter they offer you extended warranty, right? For extra money, you buy two more years of warranty. So I had that idea again understanding from my magazine that this is something that people are lacking when they buy a flat screen TV, very expensive. They were giving only one year of warranty. People were kind of afraid of this new technology. And I said, this is, there is a need. And I started this idea, worked with it with a, with a partner and, uh, and went to a company that I offered that to them uh, as an, as a co corporation because they had, a fleet of technicians. So they had that infrastructure to go and take the TV from you and send it to the laboratory. They said, oh, that's a great idea. We're not doing it. Uh, why do we need you? And I said, because you're not selling that to the end consumer. I know how to do it. You do your back stuff and the logistics. And that's fine. And they said, okay, don't call us. We call you. And they stole the idea and they made it. Okay, the two months later, there was a big uh, PR on the news that they are going into extended warranty business. 
So I felt devastated, you know, how you can steal my idea, etc., and how I didn't sign NDAs to everybody. And what I'm, do, what I'm saying today to entrepreneurs is just talk about it. Don't sign NDAs. They're, they're, they're bullshit anyway. Why? Because <laughs> then I give my, my, my example of my venture where, where I actually raised the money. How did it came? I was talking to a totally stranger, a friend of a friend. Uh, we met at a, at, a, at a brunch and they said, what do you do? And I said, I'm working on a startup. What does the startup does? And I do, and I, and I started to explain what we do. Oh, I have a friend who just built a home and he's looking for something like that. Well, you should talk. And I talked and he, he became my investor. So you never, <laughs> the risk of someone actually uh, stealing your idea and actually making it is mm. much lower then actually when you talk to someone and he says, oh, I know something similar, or I know someone who might need it, or I know someone who sh you, should, uh, you should talk to. So, so this is my, my advice. That's um, a great bit of advice. I love that. Definitely. Great bit of advice. Um, so you're, um, you've, I mean, you've got a great, impressive um, background. You've been involved in so many um, different things. You've got lots of different things and different pies. Um, it'd be great to understand um, what are you most passionate about? Um, that's a, that's a very good question. <laughs> it's a, um, I think it would be creativity. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'll explain. I, when I was a kid, I studied uh, arts, so like painting and sculpture and Mm -hmm. and, and the history of, of, uh, of art. And then um, I was an entrepreneur and, and now I'm, I'm product management. So what, what's the linkage between them? Mm -hmm. All of them, okay, you have an idea, yeah. you have your resources and you make it happen. So, so, so my passion is creating things that people love or need. Uh, and, and, and it, could be, it could be a piece of advice. It could be solving a problem to an entrepreneur during mentorship. Mm -hmm. For example, he's stuck on a, on a hen and egg situation. You know, these guys, when someone wants to build a new marketplace for something. Mm. So how do you start? Because the idea is great when you have both demand and supply, but how do you start? And just solving that, that problem for him uh, gives me a lot of satisfaction so these are, these are so things lovely. that uh, gets me moving yeah definitely um if you hadn't have gone into tech then what would you be doing today art oh, <laughs> either, either art or, or, or maybe, following your passion <laughs> yeah or maybe or maybe um in the advertising or marketing yeah. Domain being creating creative, mm. yeah, creative uh, marketing ideas and yeah, yeah, things like that. Cool, fantastic, brilliant. Um, you mentioned as well, actually. Um, um, you've mentioned a couple of times about um mentoring um and coaching. Um, I think it'd be interesting to find out a little bit more about that actually. Um, just how that works. Um, in do you do you mentor? and people external to your organization how, and how did it come about 
Yes, um, they're always outside of my organization. Um, it's uh, either part of accelerators I'm involved with um, mm -hmm. or through an organization called Product League, which is a global organization of product managers uh, where product like senior product managers mentor younger product managers that just starting their path. Um, and I think it's great because this is something I didn't have when when I, when yeah. when I started, uh, both as an entrepreneur and and as a and as a product manager. Uh, well, I kind of had from friends, but it wasn't really um, formalized like like I'm doing in now today in in mm -hmm. these um, in these um, um, accelerators or, or organizations and. Um, and I, I guess the difference between coaching and mentoring is that coaching is the art of asking questions. So like you ask the questions that brings eventually yeah. the, the other person to understand from the inside what he needs to do or what the right decision is. As where mentoring is really using your experience and your expertise to help someone that usually is lacking of those or has less mm -hmm. areas you are mentoring. Um, so, so as you said, I, I, I suddenly noticed that I'm not that young anymore and I have some, uh, <laughs> some marks on my belt that I can, that I can use and help other people. So, um, yeah. That's amazing. That's lovely. It's a really nice thing to do. Um, so you, so you're VP of product for Fonova. You're looking at different markets at the moment to in, obviously ensure that you come out of this in a positive way. You provide mentoring. You've got your online magazine. How do you manage all of that? How do you manage, but more importantly, like how do you manage the stress of it all? And like, how do you stay sane and healthy? I'm so happy. Yeah. Well, per, per, first of all, you said I'm sane. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh, but um, um, there is a there is a there is a joke in in Hebrew that says, uh, "How gonna do all that?" So there are only 24 hours a day. Yeah. So said, yeah. So wake up one one hour earlier, and you'll have 25. So. <laughs> Uh, but essentially, um, I think I don't have uh, work-life balance. Uh, okay. I admit that uh, I I constantly working, and it, it has its tolls. I mean, uh, my, my, obviously, my family uh, takes that, uh, but uh, I still have my hobbies. I, I ride a Harley, and I. Uh, oh, cool. I, I, Very cool. I, I, and uh, I have my gang, and you know, and we go on 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 some rides on weekends sometimes, uh, and we meet for 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 a beer um, uh, during the weekdays, weeknights. I don't know how you do full levers in forty six degrees. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 tough. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we. Um, I mean, I, I'm that's uh, that's juggling. I mean, I I need to be constantly uh, busy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and my mind is always juggling between the different ideas and different things I need to do. Mm -hmm. um, but that's how I, do, I work. I tried once to be normal, uh, to, to do just one thing, and it didn't work for me. 
I, I just, I, I just. You always uh, need to be doing something. Because again, people, people, people told me like, how, how can you do something? Your focus, do one thing. Mm-hmm. Do I, I can't. My mind's always wandering onto the next thing. It's it is hard, isn't it? Um, fantastic. So it'd be nice to just end on then. Um, my final question. Um, I'd be really interested to know if you have um, any kind of big, exciting plans, um, over, like longer term or over the next kind of one to two years. What are you most excited about? What's coming up that um, we'll be interested in hearing about? Ah, that's a that's a good, great, great question. Um, <laughs> yes. So, just be, we you touched that before when I started at Fornova, Suddenly, I. Um, well, I always worked with with remote teams, right? Uh, either sales partners, resellers, you name it. We always work remotely. Uh, but but when I joined Pronova, uh, all my meetings are online because there is always one developer in Ukraine or a sales guy in in London or Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So all our meetings, and I said to a friend of mine. Uh, which I always consult with her, and she has a, a vast experience in, in multinational companies like Samsung and Huawei and things like that. I said, listen, how do you manage this working with multinational companies? Because I I have some struggles. Like it's not like ma- like managing one person, a person, a people who are in the same office. And we started talking about. This. I said, yeah, this is a big pain. Remote management. And, uh, and then the corona uh, started. Mm. So the first thing we did is we opened a Facebook group, which is called Remote is On. And, and this, is, this is something I'm very, very passionate about and finding this solution. Because remote, if you look at remote workers and you as, a, as, as, as working with, uh, you know, with workers and, and, and uh, in this area, uh, mm-hmm. you understand that mainly it deals with companies who are looking for a talent and a talent that is not near them and how you manage to match them, even if it's remotely, uh, or people who want to be digital nomads, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're thinking, they have this vision, sitting on a beach in uh, Copangan and, and, and <laughs> designing websites remotely. Uh, but this is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, how you as a manager manage your company and your teams remotely. And the, what happens with the corona is that it drove any manager, no matter if you're very international, multinational, even if you're local, your employees are not next to you. Mm-hmm. And so we, we established this, uh, this group. And then eventually we did a, even a conference, a five-hour conference with 10 speakers. Uh, about the challenges and the solution and some tips on how to solve these uh, remote management issues and one of the things we we found out so i'll give you just a tip right um everybody knows zoom like we're doing now uh, or hangouts or go to meeting or these but these are opt-in solutions right when i need to book a, a meeting and go in at that time with the other people but what happens with the in-office talks mm-hmm. that, you know, I used to sit in a cubicle and my 
my teammates would be in cubicles around me and we even took the walls down so we can have a eye contact. And I would just turn around and I say, hey, uh, Amit, do you remember what we decided to do on that feature? When are we going to release it? And he would answer me and I say, oh, okay, okay, thank you. And I would go, go on on my, my email, right? Mm -hmm. But this, this totally disappeared mm -hmm. when we are remote. We have no, I'm not going to book a meeting and I don't know, I don't know <laughs> if he's busy at the moment with another meeting. So I cannot just bother him with WhatsApp or something like that. So then I turned out to my kid. He's 13 and a half years old and he's a gamer. And he's constantly talking to his friends. And I said, how do you always talk even when you're in a game, you're watching YouTube, you're watching Netflix, you're still talking to your, your friends. And he said, I'm using a platform called Discord. So Discord was intentionally for gamers, but I adopted it to my company, to my team. So now Discord is totally different from, is the opposite from Zoom. You're always on, and when you're busy, you just get out of the channel. So I told my team, listen, let's go on Discord. When you're not busy, you're just there. And we just constantly hear each other and talk to each other. This is our constantly on channel. So it's a bit and like how we use Slack, but audio. Yeah. You're just playing yeah, audio. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So audio, video, screen sharing, chat, of, of course. And we created even like offices, so Martin's office, right? And they know if I'm there, they see me. If I'm in my channel, they know I'm free and they can go in and start talking to me. And if right. I'm not there, I'm probably busy in another meeting, like in a Zoom meeting. Mm. So, so that is... Think about, actually. That's, that's mm. yeah, a good yeah. idea. So, yeah. so this is a challenge. And of course, the challenges for remote managers mm. are very, very vast, not only about communication and technology, about, uh, about culture, about mm. uh, how, for example, you have your culture about and, and your values, your company values. Like for mm. in Israel, we, we have in, in Fornova, one of our values is transparency. Okay? We want to be transparent, no blaming. If you did something wrong, come forward, you know, kind of investigate what, what can be done next time, etc. But transparency in an Israeli, uh, I don't know how many Israelis you know, but in Israel, is very, very straightforward. I can call my, my CEO and shout at him on the phone, right? If I think he did something wrong this level of transparency we have in Israel. But mm -hmm. this is not the level of transparency I can expect from a Chinese or from a Jap or from someone from India. Because this is not how their culture is built. They, the hierarchy is very, very strict. Like they would never call out on their manager saying he's yeah. wrong. In, but definitely not in public. And, and in Israel, it's so when you meet, need to start managing multinationals, it becomes much, much more challenging. Mm. So this is the next big thing I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah, I'll have to check out your uh, Facebook group. Sounds interesting. Um, cool. Yeah, we thought about, I thought about like, because we use Zoom a lot and we have Monday, we do, so we have every morning we have a team Zoom meeting. And I thought about, should we have like, a few hours a day where we just keep it on in the background, you know, so we can all kind of feel like we're together still. Exactly. Um, but then you just get so busy and things take over, but the audio one sounds like a much better 
um, idea. Actually. Any, I guess the difference is with our business, we're recruiters, so we're on the phone yeah, a lot. Whereas a like thing. devs and your product, you're not, you're not speaking, I guess, as much to, to people probably as yeah. much yeah. as the yeah. algorithm. I guess. And you can always put yourself on mute, like if you have yeah. you know, not. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I think, I think for a lot of our clients and a lot of listeners that it would be really useful. Definitely. That, yeah. So it's Discord. That's what it's called, is it? Discord? That's right, yeah. Okay, amazing. Well, yeah, fantastic. You've given us um, some top tips today. Yes, <laughs> we have. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely learned sure. a lot today. So thank you so much for coming on the Let's Talk Leadership podcast, um, Martin. It's been a pleasure having you on. If thank anyone wants to reach out about um, any of the product stuff that you've mentioned today or um, mentoring in- or anything yeah. that... Yeah. Uh, just fi- I find me on any social media, <laughs> LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook. That would be yeah, Martin H. Uh, Sabag, and that that's me. And you please Perfect. reach out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you've been a fantastic guest. So thank you very much for coming on, and um, hopefully you. looking forward to working with you in the future. Great. Thank okay. you very much for having me. Thanks. Take care. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. bye.